0: I disagree on that, that's not possible. <laughs> We're getting the band back together. We're on ambition. Yeah. Now we've, now we've got a whole new list of things to complain about. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We are at it again. Got myself, Pete, here, and going international again. And we have uh, Mr. Edict with us. How you doing?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, and I always like talking with a lot of the uh, the European players because, I mean, play styles definitely are I feel different from us to Europe and other places abroad. So it's always interesting to have those conversations and just see how everyone's feeling out the game at the moment. And a lot of times, I feel like you guys are more active than the US meta.
1: <laughs> I think we mix our meta more than you guys. Uh, yeah, that's probably a thing. And also the um vassal is quite live in Europe. Quite a few people on Vassal yep. as well. So that might be it.
0: Yeah. And before we get into it though, we're gonna make sure that you guys are checking us out on YouTube. Uh you'll notice that usually within about a week of the episode releasing, if I'm on it, it's usually the same day. Uh the podcast episodes will actually uh pop up the same same day on YouTube. We're doing video recordings as well. So that's just it, a lot of people like YouTube. So we're just using that to uh, get more content out there for people. We'll start doing some more Malifaux specific topics and events that aren't the podcast um, as far as putting them on YouTube. But things definitely got to got to smooth over before we can dedicate more and more time to YouTube content. Uh, but make sure that you guys are checking that out. You can also see us on Twitter and Instagram. We got the Discord channel uh, depending on which day and what things are happening, that's very lots of things going on there. And then finally, if you want to support us directly, you can at ragepatreoncom where You can support us for as little as a dollar. And before we get into our main topic about just talking about traveling to foreign metas, because that's what you and I are going to discuss, I would like to kind of get your initial reactions on these keywords that have been revealed, because. I think do, I think we have all the keywords. At least some of the cards spoiled. I think uh, don't at we? this
1: point, I believe all of them have, have been spoiled. Like probably core boxes and a model or two, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'll leave witness apart because we have the full keyword and we did play against it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, forget witness. I mean, generally speaking, and obviously it's different once you play against it. Do. Any of these keywords seem to you the same power level as witness, or is witness just kind of above all of these?
1: I'm not so much on the uh witness as a boogmin uh hype train Uh, I think it's very Good. strong, but I think there are exploitable weaknesses to it. Uh, but I'm not too experienced against it, but like four warf- sure. or games, maybe five for sure. Uh, anyway, um, uh, I like the uh, anger keyword, <clears throat> it brings. Oh, I love a lot, that. Of, a lot of cool texts to uh bio uh Antimo is a proper beater uh we've got take the head and extended reach i believe on the yep. shell boys um yep. yeah and also the master is really cool and some <laughs> there there's a lot of cool things you can do with uh, the compads i want to bring a bushwalker and reel in a pit trap into people and then charge them uh, <laughs> with the whirlpool trigger i believe where you place people around so you get a three five six damage track with the pit trap and injured as well uh, it's quite expensive because you need the trigger for that and it's not built in but it's a really fun thing i want to try out um, the guild keyword looks thematic. Um, I'm not, uh, so um, I have a bad thing about w- the Watson Watson seems very much over, over the top. Um, but I, I'll be glad to be proved wrong about that and the, uh, outcast keyword is Interesting, it doesn't look uh, bonkers right now, but we need to see the rest of the models. And I'm very interested in the Neverborn Reservoir keyword, it looks very uh um, yeah, which I didn't expect from a more or less nephew kind of crew.
0: <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't think yeah. so. Yeah, and I, I, when I look at this, granted, some of them I've looked at closer than others. But I think as far as providing something good to the faction that maybe the faction either didn't have or didn't have access to, I do think Bayou probably wins out the most there just because there's a lot of tech that we haven't had available to Bayou that now we do. Like you were saying with the extended reach and the take the hit, we just haven't had that. And then I am a little worried though about Angler because I can see a lot of pools where potentially they become my new maw drop because i think there's a lot of generalist tendencies that angler has that ma also has um i think ma still hits a lot harder than the anglers would but um i think there might be more flexibility on uh on the angler side but i haven't put them on the table yet so i definitely gotta test that theory yeah out. i
1: think uh the angler keyword can be a uh, very uh self uh reliant and like auntie mel drops her own uh, tide marker and she, she does it at the end of the activation she is yep. standing on it most likely and she gets she is a defense 6 with built in positive flip on the defense that's really cool yep um her gun is very effective um yeah i think she,
0: do, you, do you think mel is the new favorite beater of the faction uh,
1: i would be surprised if it would be otherwise yeah it, <laughs> she is so good um, the fun little uh, intuition trick you get to do with the uh bonus action where you set up your cards and then you go for a shot that's really cool uh, especially that you can do it from your own models They're, it's not enemy only so that's really cool
0: yeah and I think since Francois was nerfed the Bayou specifically has been a little lacking a specific henchman beater like we have some good ones like you can throw maybe some Alphonse Lenny I mean you can throw some conversations like that Gracie's always decent um but there hasn't been one where it's been like yes this is going to go just smoke a model um yeah and and she definitely does that I think a little better than some of the other models even like the first mate the first mate is you have to throw a lot into him to get to the beating potential because you need the rams to do it and you need the rams to get the leap attack and,
1: and um,
0: yeah Mel looks yeah. cool uh,
1: the first mate is a scheme runner beer it makes sense yeah. he can kill the squishier models but oh yeah
0: hates yeah models. squishy models hate seeing Yeah, him.
1: but um it takes a lot of uh, resources to make him kill like properly uh, tanky models um yes yeah. yeah, so I'm really excited about Auntie Mel and hope to see the rest of the keywords soon.
0: Yeah, and I I'm definitely am curious. And hopefully, Weird eventually will let us know when this stuff is actually coming out. That way, I can uh, prepare my pocketbook <laughs> to be you know, emptied. But uh, hopefully, I would hope March would be a cool time to start seeing these come out. But we'll see what they decide to do.
1: I would be surprised if no keywords dropped near Christmas. Uh, it seems like a reason obvious thing to do uh people probably
0: do you do you like that though i mean (laughs) hmm. did you play a lot of war machine back in the day have you played any i did
1: play war machine for like a year probably uh didn't get much into it It
0: so war machine had a problem where they would release a book and it would show you all the new models but then those new models would be sprinkled throughout the next two years and it wouldn't be like everybody gets one at the same time. I kind of have a problem with these keywords being released like this, where it's like, you know, okay, here's witness, here's angler, here's whatever the other ones are, because yes, it lets you kind of build up a tolerance to a keyword at a time. And you're not being like overrun by all of them. But if you balance these keywords to all kind of, I wouldn't say counter each other, but like, Hey, these are all kind of at a, good level and they do different things but they're competitive I would like all those competitive things to be at the same time whereas now you kind of get witness everybody freaks out about it and then we're gonna get angler everybody's gonna freak out about it it's like let's get all the freak out out at the same time and just get it done with
1: yeah especially that uh, it's gonna be play on vassal anyway because you just need yeah. some uh, circles for the models um and it will be quite annoying to be able to play them uh, uh, on PC and not do that on tabletop so I hope they get released as close to each other as possible I'm don't believe yeah the-
0: if, if you're gonna sprinkle them out I I would hope it would get done I would hope you release them all in like six months like I don't think this is something you want to do throughout a year
1: yeah that's true and um, hopefully they could do like a wave of core boxes and a wave or another boxes something like that so I would love to be as equally uh, distributed as possible uh, at the same time. But let's see, um, I was surprised that they released the whole witness keyword at Gen Con, I yeah, yeah, that was quite surprised. maybe they're. Surprising. Yeah,
0: so, yeah. So maybe, maybe it'll be something more along the lines, like you said, where it's like, okay, then here's a Christmas sale. Here's a new one. Okay. Here's a spring sale. Here's another two. Um, but yeah, just try to get them out quick just because also there's people that are playing the game that are really into it and the quicker you can get the product that you get them excited about the sooner they'll buy it and you know you get money as a company and that works out to be honest it's
1: only well only it's five keywords left so even if they would do a keyword a month more or less like they try to do with michael burns it should be around six months
0: yeah i think that's very doable it just you know obviously i'm not working on the back end there but you know i would think it would be doable um, but i think just letting it hang out there i don't know if that's great either well but, hopefully yeah. this
1: book gets released before the next one uh, is out unlike the yeah. money for burns where the yeah. last boxes are supposed to be in december and we've got the witness from the next book already yeah
0: yeah and that that is the problem and that's one of the things war machine definitely had a problem with is they would release a book and then there would still be a couple models that weren't released, but then, hey, here's a new book and here's new models. And yeah, it, it definitely definitely is rough. I know we had that problem with Guild Ball with the Cooks and the Navigators for a while where they just didn't get released. And because one got lost and the other one, the rules didn't match. Then they had to retweet the rules because the new season came out. Yeah, I think
1: the Cooks was uh, released after Miners, which was because yeah. they were... The cooks were supposed to be released like five six months before miners,
0: like season three. Yeah, and
1: still the box got released after the miners box. That was insane. Yep.
0: Yeah, and it almost got released. Pretty much, with season four was getting ready to drop, so it was just a whole giant kerfuffle. And it's like, come on, let's get this, let's get them out there, let them breathe, let them play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh yeah, we're gonna talk about playing in different metas. So. Just to give kind of everybody kind of an idea of what we're talking about here. So obviously this can be through Vassal. And I think if you play Vassal, you probably are playing this at the extreme because you are playing different metas throughout the world and, you know, seeing how they play and what they bring in a list. Whereas I know playing in person, I generally travel around the country for bigger events. So I've been like Captain Con, just came back from Houston and I play in kind of far-reaching local metas like i'm in south carolina but i gotta travel you know four or five hours to go play in like atlanta or somewhere in north carolina or somewhere in florida Um, so where are some of the places that well first off where are you centrally located so everybody knows but then, where do you, where have you traveled before for gaming?
1: Uh, okay, so uh, for Malfoy, well, I live in Poland, Warsaw. Um, for Malefo I've been to uh, the Six Nations Cup this year in Scotland, and now we've been to the Spanish Nationals in Bilbao. Um, I did some traveling uh, with Ball. Well, we've been like all around Europe with that. Um, yeah but for Malfo, uh, it's way different because uh you the table is much more uh, defining for the game than it was in guild ball um, yeah. uh, i did post some of the tables uh on the discord but for example the first table i've been playing at was a full swamp table mm,
0: I- so i think before we get into talking about. Like where we travel and stuff. Why don't we kind of break down how? So first off, when you play a game of Malafa, what do your tables look like when you play locally? And then, is your meta more aggressive are they more scheming denial? Like you want to kind of describe how your local meta kind of plays the game? Okay, so we
1: try to do more or less Vasily tables because
0: so pretty y- full, yeah,
1: put pretty full and a lots of little bits and bobs all around and well quite a few of us play on vassal as well from our local meta so it's why hmm. it gets quite similar to that i guess um we're obviously uh, restricted by the models we have m- most of the time and um, we do have a spread of play styles for example i uh i've been many times called out on my very defensive play uh, <laughs> yeah
0: you play a little cagey there yeah
1: that's probably my brewer's showing from Gilball um that's right yeah. and i often don't i you know, catch myself not going for actions that i know it's not logical to go for them but uh, otherwise uh it doesn't work anyway for example uh sure. radek uh, he lives in the uk and he um he is a very aggressive player he is not afraid to flip cars and it often works out for him and that that's a good contrast be- between him and me um other than that i don't think i'm too killy in Malifo. i like to play a bit more uh scheming uh and another kind of thing uh, but we do have some very aggressive players That just go all hammer and yeah,
0: um, yeah, and I think I noticed that even in your list building, um, because I noticed that when I think one of the ones I noticed that in was Brewmaster Two, um, like I was like, yeah, slam two or three, you know, fermented river monks in there, you're like, yeah, sometimes I bring one and I was like what
1: <laughs> yeah uh, it was a uh idea I I had a few games against next kids and it quickly was obvious that monks simply die uh, against next kids so there's um. no point in bringing them but uh sticking to brewmaster I do like my whiskey gamins, and
0: I, they do get pretty silly once that poison gets going
1: yeah getting a f- uh it, I did on the t- tournament where I'm going to be talking about I did a 28 inch uh, uh turn with one whiskey gamma that was staggered that turn as well um yeah I, I don't bring the golem all the time I think I'm like 50 50 between the golem and the gamins so that's probably a weird thing for me I did bring
0: yeah and, and that's sacrilege to me because I always bring that big dumb barrel of fun I don't care I'm going somewhere I don't care if it's a bad I'm like radic. I can have the whiskey golem loaded up and I'm like this is probably a bad idea but let's go let's just go
1: yeah um I've been I did bring one sparks to brewmaster as well and I also did bring a bow so there's a quite a few different things I probably do with brewmaster but yeah that's the whiskey gum instead of the golem is probably a good showing of how I test play yeah
0: I like the Whiskey Gammon. They, they do a lot in that list for sure. And as long as they don't get focused down, they can do a lot of work. Um, they are a little fragile, eh, but that's okay.
1: Yeah, that's true. Well, um, uh, so that's me. Um,
0: so just so – and I think you already know this because we've talked quite a bit. But just for the listeners, which if they've listened, they probably already know this, but I'm a pretty aggressive player. So I definitely – I go to engage and I want to kill stuff, generally speaking. Uh, Even if it's a not killy pool, I like to kill things that are available just to deny action points later in the game. Um, I tend to bring lists that like to fight and can kind of hang out in the fight a bit. Uh, I am getting better with the tables as far as the setup because I am trying to put more terrain on the board just because I think... One, I think that makes the game more interesting. I think when you leave it too opened up, that can really, I don't know, it it can cater to some of those, you know, shooty lists or it can cater to some of those just ridiculous lists that then are unchecked. So I just, I think it makes the game more interesting the more I've put onto the board. And um, I've been traveling and seeing a lot of cool terrain. So that's also been something that has kind of opened me up more to more terrain. Um, So looking at that and kind of knowing how we play when you're traveling to some of these foreign events what are some things that you're keeping in your mind especially if it's a newer place where you're like I'm gonna play a lot of people I don't know I gotta be prepared for some really maybe crazy things I haven't seen so like what are some of the things you're thinking about when you're going to these um tournaments abroad
1: okay so the first thing is that I bring the masters I know very well so if I need
0: that's been my mistake
1: yeah so if I end up playing something I've never played before there's only like half the game that I need to be aware of so that's takes a lot of mental load off um also I well, I'm not sure how it works for uh, for you guys in the US but we did know the pools in advance so uh, I did
0: yeah we do that yeah, too. okay
1: so well i did bring the masters i knew were reasonable in the pools and some things i do is i take ma mostly for ma too because in case i end up playing on a bizarre full hazardous table then i need <laughs> to do to work there,
0: like there's a poisonous river that does one damage when you just walk through it.
1: Yeah, the there was a table on vassal once that was basically like seven small uh, lakes of lava all over the table, and what Ma was the Ma too was the only pick I uh, even thought of for that game.
0: Anyway, just to make it where you could even like play the table normal, just yeah, that's a good yeah. point
1: also I think zip is always a good pick for a tournament because yep. because you fly with most of your stuff the table cannot really uh affect you that much um and he's reasonably good in the current uh GG okay. um I think Ophelia is the strongest master in bio like in, in a vacuum so that's why i brought uh Ophelia and I took Zoraida mostly for uh Cover the path and next kids, because I think she's the best picks against next kids
0: yeah and I I definitely the more I've played national tournaments or I play you know out out of my meta tournaments I definitely agree that you you want to bring masters that you're strong with and I traditionally haven't done that as well but I think I've decided after this last tournament to just when I go to a bigger event especially just bring like three of my best um and I think the way that I actually might bring four but I don't know I think it's kind of filtered down to me where I'm like you want to know what I mean I always bring zip zips just he can get around the board he provides a lot of problems he solves a lot of problems and he's just always solid and mobile and he can counter a lot of things I do. I have traditionally brought Ma as my generalist, just because I'm like she's good at pretty much anything, and you know she's a pain for the the people to deal with. So she's always in my bag. That might change with Angler. We'll see after I get some games with that. And then I think I've switched up where actually Eulix might be the other master that gets in my bag a lot. The speed and aggression and and just like if you don't deal with him early it's you're going to lose the game so there's there's times where depending on what I have in my hand and how the turn is kind of progressing I really can decide to go super aggressive with him and be like I'm going to delete one or two models or I can be like no I don't have the cards they're playing a little cagey you know maybe like yourself and I'm like let's kind of skirt quickly around the edge and go get a scheme because i've had turns where i've literally been at the top of the board and within two activations all of a sudden Ulix and another like war pig or swine Cursed is now at the bottom of the board so it's super reactive um a l- lot more fragile than like zip is obviously zip has concealment and stuff but i i like uh i like the raw power and quickness of uh of ulex i actually am exploring Zoraida 2 to go into possibly my tournament bag I'm not familiar with her as much yet but I like her a hell a lot better than Zoraida 1 I just can't do Zoraida 1 I refuse to
1: yeah uh, I used to be like that for a long time I didn't want to play Zoraida and now I think she's really cool Uh, but I do agree that Zoraida 2 is way better than the people think she is and she, I think I think
0: especially in Carve, right? Ridiculous. Carve, she's kind of ridiculous.
1: And she is so much fun to play. Uh, there's there's yeah. so many things you can do with her. It's fantastic, yeah.
0: Yeah, because I've literally been denying myself playing her in Bayou because I hate Obey, obey Masters, like specific Obey Masters. Um, I don't mind if you have like a bonus action or some kind of cute little Obey you can do, but when it's just like, oh, my Master wants to Obey three times, it's like, no, I'm not interested in that. But yeah, Zarida 2 being able to have two models, you know, push the carve with just one general action. And then also the ability to increase the stats of your of your actual models. And then I think I think the ability I like the most is what? The one where you can what discard to move but then you draw cards Uh, I forget what that ability is called yeah that's a that's a cool ability
1: I think that's really cool action because you get some movement you get some card cycling yeah action and you need to manage your hand because if you don't have cards on your hand you 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 can't do that basically well you can't move any models and you can't cycle cards I think it's very nicely written I love the rule um a cool
0: thing you can do well and and I think her key word also being like, hey, we got Loki Bree in the comments. That's awesome. But l- looking at it with her keyword, I think not only in carve the path, but I think the area where um, where you have to kind of sit in areas and you have to kind of control them. I mean, you can't really push bad juju around. You have the walled guys that you know you can't push around. So you literally have to kind of either delete the models or go somewhere else. So it's, it's going to be, interesting to play her because i think she does play different than a lot of bayou masters
1: yeah uh i forgot to mention the, the last master i brought to uh, spain was brewmaster one because i love brewmaster is the master that got me into Malifo in the first place but he is also brilliant in covered ups like absolutely brilliant
0: oh yeah yeah brewmaster if you wanted to and i think I don't know some boards I have a problem dropping him I actually didn't drop him in Houston just because I I literally the pools I wanted to play him I couldn't find a bo- the board I was on I just couldn't drop them they just there was too much just scattered terrain and big terrain and it wasn't doable and I, that's my problem with him is I like playing him and he's good but the board can really hose him down yeah there's a lot
1: of different things that can uh, ruin the Brewmaster game uh, or Moonsender game. One is the table, second is wedge deployment, and also uh, a few hazardous terrains uh, around, and uh, it gets very tricky to play Moonshiner. Uh, yeah. So it's it can be difficult to find a game for him, uh, but once you get him on the table, he is absolutely amazing and probably yes. worth your nerf. <laughs> <laughs>
0: don't touch the brewmaster he's do. he's fine um do you think you being a more defensive player and countering player do you think that's better when you go into a foreign meta or, or do you find that sometimes that hurts you
1: um to be honest i'm not sure i think i think playing defensive gives you more opportunities during the game uh because if you go all in it can be over in turn two um either way um yeah. but also it gives me more time to fill out the opponent how he wants to play the game um yeah i think it might be a bit helpful mm, but also i think bio doesn't have the tools to play super aggressively right yeah. now that's fair uh well i well, for sure does but the tables i've played at didn't allow that anyway so uh,
0: yeah and I, I think that's a good point because I so I am aggressive so I do like want to go fight but when I'm playing against either a matchup where it's like kind of rough or if it's a matchup where you know I'm not sure of the player and how they're gonna play the game, I, I think I will defensively play aggressive if that makes sense. basically, I think the best example of this was in Houston I played against Nick. And I played Zip, and he was doing 10 Thunders. So of course, he brought the, you know, you get no triggers upgrades, and he was playing Yoko 2, so that was a pain in the butt because there's that stupid Bill uh, Hinamatsu slingshot that, you know, they can do. So, I turn one and beginning of turn two, I played super passive. I just kind of really went up a flank, and there was this huge, like, height six wall that... You know, there was like a little causeway that created. So I basically filter a lot of my models behind that um, just to avoid, you know, Fuhatsu and some of the other ranged bullshit. And basically it forced Nick to overextend Hinamatsu. And turn two, that allowed me to take Zip and take Maris and throw Hinamatsu into a pit trap because I brought a bushwhacker out of keyword. So I was able to... Then aggressively go after this model. He feeds in another model. Okay, I'm going to, feed you know, aggressively take care of that one. Um, I mean, I ended up losing the game, but it definitely was an interesting back and forth. Um, I think hinomatsu does have the up in that in that matchup personally, but um, Ten Thunder is going to be a little rougher for Bayou I found.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, Zip is very. Um, there's, I think they have the most, a uh, lot of models in the game. So that's the first issue the yeah. relentless trigger uh, upgrade is also very scary for zip um to the point i would consider probably playing uh zip two because zip one without his defensive trigger is <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> yeah. was... zip, zip died in that game because i couldn't blast off <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um yeah that's true um
0: So I think that like, and you probably do this. I mean, I think playing defensive is good, especially you're playing somebody who you don't know. You don't know how aggressive they're going to be. You don't know what pieces they're going to use. I mean, I've played against a player before where they brought a beater model and I was like, oh crap, they're going to come right into me. And then they go and scheme with it or something. And I'm just like, I think the biggest example of this I have is I played against McCabe one and I was playing... I think I played Maw. And I brought a pretty, like, beater-heavy list for Maw. And I wasn't expecting the player to play McCabe 1, like, melee, like, I'm going to kill you. And the person totally did. And they put up, you know, the stupid upgrades, like, oh, you don't get hard wound, and you don't get all this other bullshit that you normally get. You don't get armor. Um, I think it's the sword or whatever the hell it is for McCabe. But, yeah, he just, like, two activations killed Gracie because of that. I I was just so... I was so brought aback because I I hadn't seen McCabe played like that. Traditionally, I've seen McCabe used as a scheme runner. You know, you got riders going around. You got, you know, hucksters putting shit around. And that was the first time I really saw McCabe used in that aspect. So I think it is good to play defensively, but keeping your eye out for different options on engaging and, you know, t- possibly taking a model down.
1: Uh, yeah, that's right. I remember my first game against... Um uh mccabe 2. uh i did yeah. play a few games against mccabe one and the the mccabe one player tends to play in keywords mostly and was obviously ten, <laughs> it was 10 founders as well so
0: remember, did, did mccabe 2 touch you with like a Jorgumo or something uh,
1: No, it was a explorers mccabe 2 but uh, ah. seeing three botanists with upgrades uh
0: uh-huh. wow that
1: was something else a defense a you were
0: like, I re- you like I immediately regret my decisions
1: <laughs> yeah I remember I did take uh, it was symbols and I took zip one to drop my pianos near this uh, symbols of authority to block them out and suddenly it was obvious that botanists can remove markers quite easily and they have a 24 inch movement during a turn um, and <laughs> Uh, yeah and i couldn't kill them because they were defense eight and slice five so zip couldn't do anything he had was.
0: so was the traveling to these national events and playing uh <laughs> and playing on vassal is that where you developed your hatred for next kids
1: uh it's well, uh, when we went to the Six Nations Cup, uh, Bobber was our... Because I
0: think you do hate oh, Next yeah. Kids. Well, I think you have. Fashion, you yeah. have.
1: Uh, <laughs> I did play a lot, of, a lot of games against Next Kids uh, because Bobber was uh, training them before the Six Nations. And
0: gotcha. I- Nothing like getting tuned up and playing the things you hate. Yeah. Uh,
1: but they did help me to develop some kind of idea how to play against them in the end mm-hmm. so that's some bonus but i always think about next kids when going to a, a event now and i know i need to bring the ride and stuff like that <laughs> but yeah i did play them on vassal thing like twice and it wasn't
0: so so what specific problems do you think like if i if i have a, if i'm in a local meta and I'm going to travel and I could possibly come against these next kids what are some of the problems that you're like here's why they are pretty rough to play against like just kind of explain just for people who don't maybe know
1: um it takes quite a lot of effort to kill anything and it's like 12 models I believe and all of them are surprisingly tanky and they are also quite killy because once you get a parasite you are most likely not going to defend from attacks so all they have a massive volume of attacks and it doesn't matter if it's two three four on a ranged shot it's going through and you're getting shot at like six nine times a turn from the Masters alone that's zero soul stones in the that's shooting you up to nine times a turn and you also have the creeper that's a two three four poison stat seven beer uh, also the archivist that can ruin models with uh Demises there's so many models there's so much stuff you need to handle and
0: have you seen the uh have you seen the cancerous list where it's like the next kids and McCabe
1: no uh that's mostly because deal monsters are not that much of a thing in Europe um, gotcha. What, uh,
0: I haven't played I haven't played against it but somebody was telling me about it and they were like because you know McCabe has I think it's minus one or two to your stats if you're within like five of an, yeah. of an upgrade and then the next kids can reduce your stuff oh, by like okay. another what two so it just makes the math like horrible
1: yeah <laughs> also the fact that they get to choose where to reduce your uh dual after you cheat that's bullshit. Uh, hope that gets nerfed in the next round. Uh, just need to wait and see. Um, if it works, I hope it works like G because it's it's basically the same thing, but it's in negative instead of a positive. Yeah. why is it different? I have no idea. Um, but it's all, the fact that it's, it's so many models. They are so cheap and so tanky. Um,
0: I, I didn't realize it. I think I was talking to you about it before, but it's just it's the AP efficiency, right? Because you have three masters. So I mean that's nine actions that, like you were saying, you don't even pay for. Yeah. And then the totems are you have two of them and they're pretty decent. And if you don't do anything with them, and not only that, I think the next kids can't they make their insignificant models like do significant things? They can make yeah, them. Yeah, secret plan. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's kind of ridiculous. And then I didn't realize how stupid the botanists were until I played Zip into them. Because I was like, cool, I can at least attack your size. And they're like, well, I'm like size four. I was like, balls. <laughs> like, this is just terrible. I mean, Zip usually is the get around like bullshit kind of yeah. guy. And yeah, they were pretty rough.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, um yeah, Next goes was. Walls half of the uh, reason it gets right to the event and i didn't play them uh, i don't think anybody played uh, next kids there and that was surprising to me so that's the problem that different yeah,
0: yeah. loki Bree was also like yeah and the roots are also super annoying uh
1: oh yeah yeah forgot yeah i didn't forget about roots
0: because you can't move because you can't move them right Yeah.
1: Uh, also uh, when a botanist uh, eats a corpse marker to heal he heals uh Three, four, six health. I believe, because it's one to four, you get plus one. Oh, you, you get plus one from uh, planted roots and cellular reactivation, and when you get a grow token, you heal another one. So with a bonus yeah. action, he can heal up to full, basically.
0: So do you like Zerida too? Because you can increase stats. Is that why?
1: Uh, I like Zerida too because he. It's uh, the skinny part of her. They increase your stats. is cool, gotcha. uh, especially when you you activate Rider, you cycle some cards, you get a good hand, you build some uh, beer up, uh, you make the opponent activate a really like un- unimportant model somewhere else, and then you throw your beer into their important models. That's a cool time. Gotcha. Uh, but against next kids, it's Rider One and obeys to remove their uh, grow tokens
0: okay so do you think so traveling to foreign metas i mean we talked about obviously bringing masters you're comfortable with do you keep in mind while you're looking at the pools and getting ready to travel do you try to plan for masters that you think you're going to see so like do you plan for witness and do you plan for next kids when you're getting ready for these events
1: Uh, to be honest um if i know that people at the event event and maybe, but I didn't know basically anyone at the Spanish Nationals. Uh, I knew my opponent from a Six Nations Cup. Uh, he played completely different Masters than I thought he would. Uh, but I don't if you know the meta then you can try and do that. But I think yeah. it's most important to focus on yourself being comfortable with your models. I think that's step one uh, when going. Yeah, and
0: that. I don't know about you, but when I play again, because I think even if you're good at the game and even if you are, you know, well-practiced and you you know a lot of Malifaux, there's still going to be times where your opponent drops a master that you're not familiar with or as familiar with. And in those situations, I find myself going, okay, they just picked a keyword. I picked hopefully one of my keywords that i'm stronger with i need to bring a good solid list to do the thing that i want to do really well because i'm not sure how to counter that keyword and i think probably the last time let's see when was the last time i played against keyword i didn't know as well i think it was probably the first time i saw mccabe too i didn't know him as well so i'm like okay let me just kind of bring some general things that i know i use and can do stuff with and you end up getting surprised because obviously you don't know the keyword as well. But um, I think as long as you play a solid strategy on your end, you can hopefully counter some of those gotchas.
1: Uh, I did play against a brand new keyword for me at uh, the Six Nations Cup. It was against Pandora. Uh, Pandora two, okay. And that was a massive shock. <laughs>
0: you're like oh I'm on a negative against everything this is cool
1: uh to be honest I was a game where I killed uh Serena Bowman turn one and the Hooded Rider very early on in turn two and they lost the game massively in anyway so that that's how much of a shocker that was
0: I mean those are two pretty important pieces <laughs> that's like 19
1: stones and I killed them very yeah. early on losing nothing that and, it's a,
0: and it's a healer and it's a ride with me model that you know does what the the hooded rider does so yeah. anytime you can clear off a rider and their healing piece I mean that's a good turn yeah
1: exactly uh that was a shocker uh well uh, I was lucky enough to not play anything brand new at the Spanish Nationals, um, but the tables were more of a shocker there than the keywords. So that was something I needed to adjust to very quickly.
0: Yeah, I, I think the last tournament I went to in Houston, I didn't have anything that I wasn't th- roughly familiar with. I, I went against a couple of bad matchups for Bayou traditionally. A um, uh, person I played dropped Hoffman too, so that's kind of a little rough. And then also uh Terra one I think's a little rough for Bayou. Um, so I had to kind of try to fight my way around those two matchups.
1: Yeah, the the only game I lost at the Nationals was uh, against Hoffman too as well. Uh yeah.
0: So I mean, what do you so and we obviously will look at this through Bayou's lens, but when you you know there's a good master and you know like you might see Hoffman to like either guild or arkness, you're like well, I might see Hoffman 2 here. What I mean? What are you trying to do when you know Hoffman two is going to get dropped on the table, or you think he might?
1: I don't have a good plan against Hoffman two. I just hope that. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: and so my my general plan, and if I if I and once again, Iron Scorpius can you know, I'm done playing Iron Scorpius. Because if I played Hoffman too, I would have felt I played Ophelia, which was fine. I'm not good with Ophelia quite yet, so it wasn't fine. But I feel like if I played Maw in that matchup, I like that a lot better because generally against armor like that, I will bring Trixie Bell and I will basically throw the Peacekeeper and other models into a pit trap and just be like, cool, let me just ping you to death. And, Generally, that's kind of what I try to do is just do as much ping damage as I can. Um, but also now that I'm thinking about it, I'd be interested to try Ulex 2 into, uh, into Hoffman 2 just because of all the ping damage. But also there's there can be some armor piercing in there, so I would just have to give that a try.
1: I have a trauma playing ULEX into uh Hoffman because I had a game where in one one peacekeeper activation I lost a war pig that was it was like at half health, something like that. And with sure. the remaining actions, the peacekeeper dragged in uh old major and killed him as well. <laughs> and also, uh
0: that is traumatic. Yeah, uh, so I, I mean I mean I I come to peace that old major just pretty much dies every game you can't really prevent old major from dying yeah
1: especially when, when he's hit with like a min 5 attack two three times in an activation and it's with, with Felix one you can keep him alive but with Felix still it's not happening
0: yeah that's true so yeah just I think preparing for boogeyman but also I've been to a couple of big tournaments now and I haven't seen witness at those tournaments so I think not over preparing is also good advice yeah. Like, you, you might not see them. You might dodge that matchup.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, it's top 16, uh, the Vassal uh, thing right now. And one of our players that made it in the top 16 uh, asked me to play uh, against Rezers because I'm playing Rezers as well now. And it ended okay. up that his uh, group is bio, bio, him with Explorers and
0: so so not a meta. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: so it's yeah you can't predict what's your, uh, what you're going to play um so f- try to focus on your part of the game and make your uh, play as easy and comfortable as you possibly can I think that's the main thing because even simple mental load that you get after three games of manifold in one day the third game is going to be very difficult and very challenging. Yeah. Uh, so try. What do you think
0: about, uh, sorry. Yeah, try. I
1: want to say it's important to try and go easy throughout the day because, yeah, you can do stupid mistakes later on.
0: Yeah, what do you think about soloing a master at events? Um,
1: I think it can be done. Uh, if, uh, if it can be done effectively on a regular basis, I think that master needs to be looked into. Uh, I think I in some way I don't like the Malifo tournament format that you can bring every master you have uh, because it's a bit pay to win to be honest it is a bit (laughs) well well, someone who has only two keywords is at a disadvantage to someone who has all eight keywords it's true Uh, but in practice you often will not use like half your keywords at, at events probably because you don't have you probably don't have the time to get comfortable with them um i'm not sure there's a master that in bio for example like i can uh so an event zip is probably the closest to it um i think there's it's just simply fun to swap it up
0: so what do you think the answer for that might be then so if you're looking because there's a lot of different ways that you can run this right so i mean we could go to i don't think going to a single list is is a strategy there's a lot of i mean if you play any warhammer event it's a single list right so you almost have to bring like an overall balance list and then that's when you start seeing units or models not brought so i don't think that's it for malifo but i could definitely see being like hey you have bring three masters right and i think that might be more interesting but then you run into the thing of like oh well then you might not ever see this master brought. so i don't know if, if you have any ideas that you've thought about that
1: um i think it could be interesting to try a let's call it a little bit of formal when you have to choose the keywords you want to bring uh, but on the her- other hand i know it would be very difficult to try and convince uh long-time alpha players to change that
0: yeah I, th- I think malifaux players are just used to it and they don't want to go back
1: <laughs> uh, there's a and cons to it so it's it is what it is basically
0: i mean i i have played a lot of games and i think that anytime you there's restrictions and this it doesn't mean we have to do it for every Malifo tournament but i any, think anytime you make like restrictions i think that makes it more interesting because that's where sometimes you can see some dark horse masters come out. Like people were expecting to see these three you, and they weren't expecting to see Wong. And all of a sudden there's Wong doing Wong things and, you know, it might not turn out well, but that's okay. But it's one of those things where anytime there's restriction in what you can bring, it does. it, And it can create a lot of creativity where you can really create some interesting combos and some matchups where, you know, you might but that's that's the problem, right? Then you might see Hoffman every time. It's it's, it's tough.
1: Yeah, I think it's you need to think really hard to find a reason not to play Hoffman, especially uh, Arkanis. He is just that good. Uh, and I, but
0: have you also found? I don't have you have you played as Hoffman or have you only played against him?
1: I I don't want to play as Hoffman. No, that's disgusting. <laughs> no
0: so it's not only disgusting but as a player so i've played hoffman probably i've probably played a dozen games with hoffman um just because i had a while there where i was playing guild and it's just boring like do you think it's boring to me it's like you you go up you shoot stuff and then you do some robot attacks and you win uh
1: i think it might be uh we did a small league recently where people we swapped factions around and mm-hmm anybody who played Hoffman for the first time just said it's a bit easy mode I know the stats on long shanks and Marifo Vassal series doesn't uh, like prove that because his win rate isn't that amazing apparently
0: but I think that's because he's also predictable so I think at at higher level tables I think the predictability puts him at risk of losing games um for example I I played Zip against him in, in a tournament and Zip's not great, but I was able to put up, you know, pianos to block off avenues of approach for most of his crew. Uh, he didn't put leadline code on him, So I was able to just reposition robots where they were less convenient. So it's, it is, the predictability is good for the player, but I think it's also bad because I can predict what you're going to do more as opposed to a crew like, i don't know freaking some weird crew like zoraida where you can do some weird i'm gonna obey to do this random thing and uh look at it um, that you just don't expect yeah i think uh hofman's
1: uh when you can't do it against Hoffman to some nice effect it's just don't play his game try to break yeah. it up uh, avoid <laughs> him because when the needs to go for a walk bulldoze and just shoot his laser once that's not a great master activation yeah um and I did manage to do that a couple of times and it can be effective, but it's a game where uh, well, I'm just running away and hoping that I come out on, on top in the end. I just don't like the design of Augmented right now, um, especially uh, with, the problem is that it's in a faction with two very polarizing upgrades and, soulstone cash on peacekeeper is something that i actually hate it's it's gonna be a thing uh it's fair uh, peacekeeper with Soulstone cash is more tanky than my uh too that's stupid
0: that's fair (laughs) so you said you're playing a little bit of rezzers now right so what are you uh if you're planning on going to a tournament with them I mean, what are some Reser masters that you're looking at, you know, getting solid reps and getting good at?
1: Um well I started Reserve because i got my hands on the alternate molly box. I love the recruit. Okay.
0: That that's a great box.
1: Yeah. And later on I got uh, the Puppet Seamus and Puppet bit Um okay. right now, uh, Red Chapel is my favorite favorite keyword. Uh runs very smoothly, and there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with it. I like Jackdaw. Um, it's a bit difficult to run because you, most of the power, power budget is uh, very few models, and you need to make their activations uh, really worth it. Um, I also want to get better with McMorning, especially Morning too. I like the mm. whole uh, upgrades. I don't like the upgrade mechanics on a few crews as an idea, but I like what what it does with McMoring. Okay. So I want to get better with that crew and the whole marker marker cycle uh, thing, where you remove a marker, you draw a card, or you move uh, put the marker back. That's really cool. So those are my uh, three masters I want to get good with, and right now I'm probably playing Red Chapel and tormented at a tournament because I'm most experienced with those too.
0: I tell you, I think in resers, Seamus Two probably needs some more play. Um, Seamus Two has a lot of. I, I mean, Seamus One is fun because you get to shoot the gun twice, right? But Seamus Two really has some a abil- It's almost like some Guild Ball feel bads where you kidnap a model and that model's probably just dead
1: yeah um I did play him against a uh, big hat we had a game of shame versus summer
0: you like kidnapped Lenny or something uh, not,
1: not even that but you turn off uh Biobash
0: yeah it's stupid yeah. <laughs> you turn off everything yeah
1: it's pretty really silly uh when you uh, get that off um I think it's
0: What's that alone in the dark is that what that trigger is called?
1: uh I think so yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. Also
0: and you can't and you can't target it. Yeah, do you have to discard something to target the model?
1: You get a negative when you target model. Okay. Oh,
0: that's right. That's right. So you have to spend like a soul stone or have a positive or spend a focus or something yeah. just to do something.
1: And I think it works uh, on tactical actions as well, because you do target model yeah. and you cannot use a focus because it's not an opposed duel.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the thing. Like, if, if you're like, oh, I'm gonna try to heal that model's like, I mean, you're at a negative, so good luck. Yeah, uh,
1: <laughs> I like, I really like how the crew works with that though. Uh, when you try to move the models near Shamel's and you get the free attacks uh, and the pings, it
0: it gets brutal. Yeah,
1: it gets brutal, but it does click nicely. That's the thing. I mean,
0: and and bet's buff was pretty nice too, or not bet. Um, what's the big, madam Sybil. Yeah she got a nice little buff that actually I think is decent with the second version of uh Sheamus. so that was kind of cool to see
1: yeah, yeah she is very important in our crew um yeah I I have better results with Seamus one but I think Seamus is a great counterattack into some crews some public crews um although I did play against uh, Maxine two yesterday and I did kill the emissary start of turn two uh it didn't matter because I lost Seamus start of turn three and it all collapsed very quickly
0: Seamus <laughs> is the title version of Seamus is superbly important to that crew so yeah, yeah if you lose Seamus turn three or earlier that's not yeah good.
1: also in that specific matchup you get the solely interaction between alone in the dark and eye of the hurricane the machine where you ignore any or else yeah yeah, it gets yep. really really weird when you are inside both the auras. Um, cool.
0: Yeah, and definitely, I know. And see, that's the thing. Like, if you if you go into a meta playing that, I know, especially in a lot of the metas around here in the United States, I know a lot of people won't know what Jameis Two does. So, I think that's kind of more interesting. Is to play some of the stuff where it's like, well, you know. People don't know what this does, and it's actually pretty good. So you can get some games, in, especially in foreign metas. Um, how do you feel when you travel and you play somebody from your home meta? Uh,
1: so I got paired with two of the guys I went to Spain with. Um, yeah. The first game we were allowed to take a draw and not play the game because it was the third game of the day. We were number yeah. one, number two in the rankings at that point. So the organizer said, uh, it's, it's not a good idea for us to do that because we're disadvantaged uh, because of that, but if we want to, he's cool with that, but then I play Bartek the next day and I lost against his Hoffman too. It's a bit disappointing where you, when you go like half the continent and you play uh, the same people you play every first day, yeah. but. It's also kind of cool when you're doing good and you end up playing your body like in the later, uh, uh, rounds because he's also doing great. So it, it shows that your local meta is rather strong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that's definitely like you said, it can be good. So when I went to Houston, I didn't even, I traveled by myself. I didn't even know that a guy from Atlanta was also going. Atlanta is kind of close to where I am. So I got there and I was like, holy crap, you know, John's here. And, you know, it was cool because we got to talk and hang out and stuff. And that was all great. But on day two, we actually got paired up to play. And I ended up winning that game pretty solidly. And I felt bad, you know, for for him because obviously he wasn't having a great day of it. So you feel bad in those instances. But then in the other instance, I play against, you know, um, Nick a lot and I got him on the last round and we were both kind of jockeying for you know somewhere between like third and sixth place probably so um that was fun because it's like yeah we're both doing pretty well we're not total trash that's good <laughs> yeah
1: that's that's really nice thing uh, that, that's for sure um well if you don't if you want to avoid that try to go to team events because <laughs> you, yeah yeah uh, I do hope uh, we get more uh, team events uh, for like international events. Um, I know there's the uh, World Cup, I believe it's called, next year in May in the UK. So we're going there, but it's more than one team per country if they want to. There's still a chance you get to play your local friend, but significantly smaller.
0: Have you ever, and we're kind of, you know, wrapping this thing up, but have you ever seen the, I I don't know what to say, man, but looking back at guild ball and I I'm trying to find a game to recreate that. I don't think I've ever played a game system that had such competitive and just massive events. People traveled all around the world for that game. And I'm just <laughs> Loki Pree said it's making him sad that I'm talking about Killball. <laughs> but I still I've never played a game that had that worldwide success I mean you had people coming from Australia for you know worlds you had people come from the United States to get the United States players to travel around the world is something that is an unbelievable achievement U.S players traditionally do not travel for international events yeah, but I mean
1: it's a long way for you guys it's quite reasonable but yeah don't go there but yeah it was very uh, active in europe because it's like a two-hour flight to go to i don't know italy or germany or something like that for us
0: but people like i'm talking about in europe you all had like hundreds of people going to these events
1: uh yeah i think this french nationals was very close to 100 people playing uh it was
0: uk UK always got above 100 i think
1: Uh, uh the nationals probably yeah um yeah. that's true uh, i think the french nationals was the most diverse one because i think it was like seven countries or something like that that's insane yeah,
0: that's crazy uh,
1: but gilbo was um the difference between michael and gible is that gilbo was designed to be a competitive game um, yeah. it was at times at the cost of casual play um uh, but the competitive scene was brilliant steamforge at that time was amazing with uh, like supporting the events uh, and providing the world cup it went to shit later on but that's a different topic
0: so if we wanted to increase competitive play with Malfo, i mean what are some things that you think either as a player base or as the game that we need to change to kind of gear it to a a better competitive environment
1: because
0: i'd like to see more people at these tournaments
1: um that's a tough one um
0: loki Bree said clocks
1: uh yeah i do think clocks are important um there was an issue well an issue it did happen uh the national spanish nationals that um people played like two or three turns in a game
0: that's That's
1: not a game of malifaux it's
0: not yeah i don't because the, the last turn is so important
1: I think if you get only to four turns that's acceptable but still very bad uh, but yeah when you I think that's also an important part, part when you go abroad because you don't know how quickly people play so it might be a good idea to try and get the points early on uh because you might not get as many opportunities to score as you think because if you're playing three turns you're scoring twice only, yeah. only and
0: yeah you're only scoring like two or three points yeah.
1: and there were there were games that ended like with a free two result after two two turns so that's that's really bad um and I think games should be played out two five turns um clocks should be a thing because it's not okay when you, one player is playing one third of the time, and the Ronald's playing two thirds. That's also an issue. And I did like the no draw uh, idea in Gilball, Ball. Um, so yeah. you always end up.
0: Yeah, yeah, go keep going.
1: <laughs> yeah, because right now you can uh, end up with two people having the same result at the end of the event. And it's uh, I think it's diff first as a tiebreaker and i don't think that's the best tiebreaker to decide the winner of the event um and also games of malifaux um, tend to be too long i think it it's difficult to game a clean game of malifaux in two hours 15 minutes
0: yeah and when i start thinking about that like i love malifaux because it is in depth and i think that's one of the strong points of the game and that's one of the things that makes malifaux malifaux but there is a, there is something to cleaning it up, right? Like there's some things where it's just like, this seems unnecessary. Like this seems like an extra step Um, or this probably isn't how this rule should work. Um, And there's also just things you can do to stall the game. I know Loki Bree in the chat was talking about, you know, if somebody's stalling, they know how to run the timeout. Um, Maybe they go run their models off in a corner and, you know, they're taking longer in their activations and then if you call them out on it, then you're wasting more time because the TO is coming over. Um, and I'll, it's just one of yeah, the, wrong, go on. good. I was just gonna say, so I think there is something for the time factor where you can keep people accountable, whether that's a clock or something else. Um, like something where it's, I think time is something that should be penalized in competitive events. Like if you are wasting time, you should be penalized for that. Yeah, And I, I'm okay being, like a person who wants to punish people for either playing slow because they're newer. And it's like, that's fine, you're just newer. You'll, you'll get better and you'll waste less time and you won't be punished. Or people that are purposely doing it being like, hey, you can try to stall out, but you're losing clock time and you're gonna be punished at the end of the game. But I also think cleaning up the rules, there are some interactions where I feel like the rules are a bit too complex.
1: Yeah, that's true. To be honest, I would like to see an errata that's just about cleaning up the rules Basically, no yeah. power adjustments, just clean up the rules. But going back to clocks, um, if we don't penalize or just say in the uh, event that you need to play to five turns and you need to keep track of time, then if you say to your opponent, hey, you're playing slow uh p- pick up the speed then you're a bit of a dick because there's nothing uh, <laughs> you are the bad guy because there's nothing sa- uh, making them go fast
0: nothing to keep them accountable no. except for yeah. you uh
1: and it's a very feel bad moment when you lose a game because you didn't play the fourth fourth turn or you were stopped mid-fourth turn that's very bad um there were I uh, believe two multiple uh, vassal events uh, with clocks and i did play uh, ben jules uh one round and mm-hmm. ben uh, showed perfectly how people should play with clocks and the sense that uh, it was the, his last activation of the game it was uh, turn five he was thinking about his Hoffman activation how to get the draw and he went like 15 30 seconds above his clock and he said okay my clock is off uh, gone I'm finished I could have done this and this and this uh but yeah uh, he he said he lost I wasn't even planning to say to him that uh, hey you're over your clock we need uh, it's over he himself said that he screwed up and yeah I think it most people would have that attitude it would be better for the game. It would be, I think people just need to admit that they mess up in the game and not try to play a perfect game all the time.
0: Yeah, and you know, that's kind of, so, and once again, I can speak from games that have had clock because I've played at least three other competitive games that have used clock and you shouldn't feel bad, you know, if you have to hurry up your opponent because you're trying to get your activations in, but I think the clock actually, yes, there's some stress there, And eventually, if you play enough tournaments, you kind of get over that. But I think the clock actually, it provides a lot of excitement. Like when you get to it and you're like, so say I'm the player that didn't use my time wisely. All of a sudden, I'm down to, let's say, five, eight minutes on my clock. And I'm down like that creates some interesting moments where it's like, I need to throw a Hail Mary to win this game. Like I need to in order to win this game when I'm out of time I need to kill that model and do this and I know Loki Bree doesn't like to talk about ball, but <laughs> that would create like how many insane scoring runs did you have to do when you realized you were almost out of time like I have to go for a score otherwise I'm losing the game
1: yeah I did play a game at the Hungarian Nationals where we uh, was quite a massive stall in our game I scored the goal the opponent wanted to wait me out and we did a full turn 12 activations in two minutes because none of us wanted to uh, go first and yeah it was like two minutes only uh, hitting the clock um, I think that that was very interesting because we just had to do something we couldn't just wait out the clock so yeah. it had to be done but also I think when you play with a clock you just play faster because you you feel the pressure of the clock and it makes you make your decisions faster and I think that's a good thing because it's just more interesting it doesn't get boring when nothing happens for five minutes
0: well and after a while you realize and Logibri said this in the chat where you don't make the best decision or the perfect decision but at least you're making a decision right like you start you flip the clock black back to me and you're like okay I'm going to attack flip it back and I'm like, uh, do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? Do I want to spend a stone? Let me. Do I want to read these cards? After you realize how much time you're wasting just thinking about stuff, you're like, next time you get in that situation, you'll just hit it back and be like, nope, good, go and do your attack. Yeah,
1: um, when I'm playing with clocks on Vassal, well, you need to be reasonable with the clock, to also uh, to be clear, because yeah. if, if you say, okay, so uh, I'm attacking your your uh, your model, I'm using focus and you're switching the clock to the opponent and not saying anything uh waiting for him to say if he's using it's yeah that's a dick move don't be like that it no. is
0: and I would say that and that that definitely is a situation I usually only flip it back to him in that situation if they start asking a couple of questions or they want to read a card then I'll be like okay I'm flipping it back to
1: yeah. you yeah like if the opponent is taking a while to make a decision give him the clock I think it's
0: like, it's not, I, I think, and to not to cut you off there, Edic, but I think that's the problem people have with clocks is they want a perfect, like, scenario for each second when you would flip the clock. And it's like, there's actually a lot of courtesy and, like, Loki Brie said, etiquette to it, where you just are like, okay, you're taking a little time here. I'm, I'm putting it on you. And then they're like, okay, I'm done. Put it back. And there's just some etiquette and back and forth to play a game in a timely manner
1: yeah I think it's even uh Ben who I mentioned before uh he said that he grew to like the clock because he he didn't feel guilty thinking about a play mm-hmm. longer because yeah. yeah I think that's just better for everyone once he get through the whole idea of the clock. <laughs> no. Was-
0: I've sat there in a tournament before somebody trying to decide what they're activating for 10 minutes and I'm just sitting here like do something just do anything
1: yeah exactly
0: (laughs) but if you have a clock and you want to waste your 10 minutes thinking go ahead
1: yeah it's just smoother and better for everyone
0: actually in a tournament when you see somebody go in the tank for 10 minutes you're just kind of like i'm okay with this i mean this has put me in a better you know situation for the clock like take as much time as you want you can go take a piss if you want (laughs) that that's a good question in a tournament if you're if you have clocks if you have to take a piss do you let you're like okay I'm gonna let my clock run because I'm going to take a piss
1: uh well I think it depends I I did uh I think it's good managed to I think it's the right thing to do but if there is some additional time apart from the game time like the game is supposed to be sure. two hours 15 minutes and it's like 15 minute break okay we go to take a piss it's okay but just be reasonable um if you need a moment uh, switch to your time and just let it go
0: yeah well cool so we reminisced we talked about clocks we talked about how to you know travel to these events was there anything else you wanted to share edick about traveling to foreign meadows or anything else you want to share about just competitive play in general uh, just
1: one, thing, one reason why i didn't take ulex to the spanish nationals uh, because his models are big and take a lot of space <laughs> and you need to pack into a suitcase for the flight so
0: true and his keyword is huge yeah,
1: so uh, make it, choose your models wisely
0: <laughs> yeah and that's actually a great point um because there are you, you, do have to think of the likelihood you're going to want to play, you know, that keyword. Um, obviously, I'm I'm liking it more, so I'll probably start bringing it more. But yeah, there are some keywords where it's just like, you know, I'm probably not playing this, and if I'm thinking about it, I probably shouldn't play it. So let's just leave it out of the bag.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Also, pro tip: uh, carry on your models. <laughs> Don't check your models.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um
0: we've had people lose their models uh in transit before
1: uh i remember when we went to spain now we saw the, we had a small plane from uh warsaw to munich because it was a uh, with transitor uh and we saw the guy taking all the luggages lifting them and dropping on the uh, oh yeah he the. Del- took the extra effort to pick up the suitcases higher to drop them uh yeah that was terrible
0: yeah if you do check it also I wouldn't recommend the magnet trays because that would create a nightmare it's like a Bayou Bash in your (laughs) bag just models just dying everywhere um foam is better for traveling I feel just because that way things aren't jostling as much and flipping over and colliding into each other Um, yeah
1: yeah that's true um yeah but i think the best advice when going to a foreign mail it's to pick the keywords you're comfortable with and don't take extra stuff there's basically no point it's just more stuff to drag around yeah there's really no point um
0: yeah play when you go especially you get to rounds like three four and five if you're going to a two-day event uh you want to play your best stuff you want to play you know when I was playing guild i was playing against a really good player i knew i had to drop my best masters when i played by you i'm like okay i can't dick around and play somer here i need to play my best master you know what i'm saying yeah. although like you're gonna play good players. yeah i
1: think there was a podcast where you did take Somer against a good player because you just wanted to play Somer.
0: <laughs> I did. It was bad. I got I got Raffle Stomp, Maxine and Jedza too. It was rough. Yeah, but I did the
1: same against uh Bart and his Hoffman. I just wanted to play Mataka and it was the last game she was viable in, and it also didn't work out.
0: Yep, and just know that you're gonna have some bad matchups and you gotta to try to fight out of them. That's that's the best advice I can give playing in foreign metas. You're gonna get somebody's gonna drop something you weren't expecting and you just gotta to try to fight out of it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh play it. just be prepared to play stuff you didn't see before with because yeah.
0: Yep. But that's the fun part of the game, yeah. isn't it? Where that's it's right. just like you get to see some cool new things. Yeah, that's true. Um yeah. Well cool. Well Edic, I appreciate you coming on. Uh definitely always fun talking with you and reminiscing of the good old times and and uh loki Bree says thanks too so glad we're getting people in the chat uh there's actually so for the patrons this is kind of funny i think there's a five person cap for the chat when we do these live streams we haven't been to a point yet where the uh, patrons are fighting over spots but just know that if more and more people join the live chat um you better get in there quick because i think there's only five seats All right, but with that being said, make sure that you guys are uh, flipping cards, flipping tables, and we'll talk to you all next time.